We started up this whole series on the theme of the year, Rise Up and Build. We did so out of Nehemiah chapter 2. And we began with some thoughts about rising up, elevating our thinking. Elevating our thinking in the matter of our personal expectations, in the matter of our ministry health, and in the matter of our God confidence. How big is your God? Now, I know how big he is. He knows how big he is. But, but how, big, how big do we treat him? Sometimes we act like God cannot do as much as he really can. But I serve a God that can do anything but fail. Do you have confidence in him like you should? We need to elevate our thinking about what God, about that of which God is capable. Then we began talking about building. We're going from elevating to edifying, building up. And we talked about building our personal construction. Things like Bible reading and study and prayer life and witnessing to others and church involvement and giving and personal holiness. These are things that build us up as individual Christians. Then last week we talked about building in the matter of our family construction. Things like prepping the site, following the plans, submitting to authority, using proper materials, and involving those with know-how. Now tonight we move to part five of this whole thing. Tonight we talk about ministry construction. We're talking about Fellowship Baptist Church and all of its subsidiary ministries like Granite and and the other things that we do around here. Ministry construction. And we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 16. We'll read it again, verse number 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, and they said, did you catch that? And they said, plural. Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, bar Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We're talking about ministry construction. Father, would you help me tonight to preach this in just the way you want me to? You know my heart, Lord. You know that in my heart I'm fearful. The music has done a beautiful, a masterful job of preparing our hearts for your word. And I know that I could very easily mess this whole thing up. That's why I need you to get me out of the way. I need you to just bless your word. God, you know my heart. I'd just soon people forget I'm even up here. I want our focus to be on Jesus tonight. And on what your word has to say to us individually. And may Jesus be lifted up. For it's in his name we ask these things. Amen. 
We're talking about building this church. We're talking about seeing God take this ministry to new heights. Now, I understand that we're not always right about our metrics. Numbers aren't everything. But they're something. And they're one way that we use to measure the effectiveness of a ministry. All things being equal, would you like to see more people saved or less people saved? Would you like to see more people in church or less people in church? Forgive me for sounding this way. Would you like to see more in the offering or less in the offering? You know. Would you like to see the school growing or shrinking? Would you, would you like to see the buses back on the road or just go ahead and sell them? I'm saying there's some growth that we want to see. We want to see some construction in this ministry. And I was really struggling with, with what passage to use to, to, to go into this next, this next section. How, how do we preach this? Because it's all over Scripture how to build a church. So, and then it just hit me. There's one passage in which Jesus says flat out, he's going to build his church. That's a good place to start. When Jesus says, this is how I'm going to build my church, and you're looking into how to build a church, maybe it's a good idea to start where Jesus says, this is how you build a church. That's that's pretty good for somebody who's only got a bachelor's degree. So how do we do it? How is God? Now let me make this super clear. I'm going to talk about us doing things. But you understand, except the Lord build the house. We labor in vain who build it. It's God doing the work. We understand that. We are just Tools in the toolbox. That's all we all we are. God's the one in control of this thing. God gives the increase. We may plant, we may water, but God, God alone gives the increase. So we give him all glory and credit for that. But we're talking about how he'll use us to accomplish what only he can do. Number one, the first thing we need to build this ministry is audibility. Audibility. Yep. I want you to look at verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And who said? They. Plural. The disciples. Presumably all of them. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And they answered. Is that what your Bible says? No, all of a sudden it went from they to one. And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Everybody answered the first question, who do other people say I am? Everybody had answers for that, but only one person came up and answered the second question, who do you say I am? Why is that? Can I tell you why? Because it's much easier to comment on the beliefs of others than to make an honest assessment of your own. 
We're real good at saying that guy's wrong and that guy needs some work and that guy's completely in left field. But when somebody corners you and says, yeah, but what do you believe? All of a sudden, we're more silent, aren't we? We aren't as audible. Hmm? But we got all kinds of commentary on these revivals popping up everywhere. I, preachers that I respect, preachers that I love, some of them are saying, man, God's in it, and some of them are saying it's all of the devil. And they got all kinds of in, advice and counsel and stay away from it, get in the middle of it and everything in between. But then you ask them the real question. Is there any revival in your heart? Crickets. Crickets. You see, Peter had a conviction about who Jesus was, and he was not afraid to speak it. Now, Brother Robert, I'm going to go out on a limb. I guess, it's a sanctified guess, but it's a guess. I think 10 of the other, other 11, Judas, of course, we leave out. But I think the other 10 probably felt the same way. I have no reason to think that the rest of them didn't see Jesus for who he was. But only one person said it. Can I tell you, our churches are full of people that probably think the right things and believe the right things, but the problem is you can't get them to speak up. It's great that you know how to be saved. How are you doing about telling others that? Hmm? The psalmist told us, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And our ministry is never going to grow if we don't learn to verbalize what we believe in here. Well, I'm just going to live it in front of people and hope they catch it. The gospel's not COVID, friends. There's a lot of things in our, in our faith experience that can be caught. The gospel's not one of them. The gospel has to be taught. Go ye into all the world and demonstrate the gospel to every creature. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I mentioned this morning that there's certain things like our prayer times and things like that. I'm hesitant to put a time to it. Now, we have, our, we have our, our, our cottage prayer meetings that we're about to start, and we've already had one organized prayer time here, and some of us met tonight before church, and some of us met last night. I'm hesitant to put a lot of dates and times, and, and I want it to be organic. I want it to be organic, and, and people just start getting to the idea of, man, I'm just going to come together. I'm just going to call somebody up. Say, hey, you want to get together and pray? And it's the same way with visitation. Yeah, we, we will get back to organized door-to-door soul winning and visitation and all that. We are going to do that. But you know what I want more than anything? I want a bunch of people in my church, including me and headed by me, that we just learn to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ wherever we are and whatever we're doing. Yeah. Amen. Well, it's not Thursday at 6 o'clock, so I don't have to be a witness. No, you've got to be a witness at work, and you've got to be a witness at Walmart, and you've got to be, I'm thinking of another W word, you've got to be a witness at uh, Wawa. We don't have Wawa's here. We should, though, huh? Walgreens, all right. Walgreens, Walmart, work. 
Waffle House. I don't mean no harm, but if you're at Waffle House, somebody needs the gospel there because somebody going into eternity. <laughs> is it too much to ask that we tell people about what Jesus has done for us? No, if this is going to grow, if we're going to build this ministry, it starts with some audibility. Then number two, some receptivity. Some receptivity. Look at verse 17. Peter has just made a great... By the way, aren't you glad? Peter's such a, Peter, Peter is such a, a great help to me because just in two chapters, Peter goes from saying the most wonderful thing he could say to the dumbest thing he could say, just like that. You know, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, come on, man. I, I identify with that. That resonates with me. I, preaching. I, I, I can feel like I preached a great one, and then the next week... I need to just leave the ministry completely. I just need to walk away from it. I have no idea what I'm doing. But, but, but look, at, look at what happens here. Peter said something great. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Jesus made it clear that Peter didn't come up with this on his own. And Peter didn't hear this from a rabbi. And Peter didn't hear this from one of the other disciples. Oh, no. Peter got this little tidbit of information from God himself. And aren't you glad that Peter had the receptivity to hear God when he was speaking to him? Because you know what, Christian? When you let unconfessed sin start building up in your life, you stop being able to hear God. You don't stop being saved, and he doesn't stop loving you, but you stop being able to hear him. Thankfully, Peter was able to hear this. John 14, 26, Jesus said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. My Bible teaches me that if I'll listen, God will speak to me. Well, that's creepy, preacher. No, it's not. Anybody in here who's, the, who's a father, you talk to your kids, don't you? Should we not expect him to talk to his? Now, obviously, it never contradicts Scripture. Don't come to me saying, you know, preacher, the Lord been speaking to me. And I believe, I just believe if, I just believe if we just, if we just, well, you insert any worldly activity you want in that, that area. If we'll just do that, God will blow this church up. No, it's not going to go against God's word. It's not going to, it's not going to contradict what he teaches. But, but, you know, every once in a while, God will speak to me and say, see that fellow over there? Go give him a track. Go talk to him. That's completely in bounds. He'll talk to you. And he talked to Peter. The key was that Peter received what God said, and he acted upon it. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, by an uplifted hand, there's been a time in your life that you're pretty sure that God has spoken into your heart about something? All right, now don't put your hands up for this one. When's the last time you acted on it? I've learned from personal experience that when God speaks to me and I don't act on it, he speaks less. 
he speaks less. If we're going to grow as a church, if we're going to see some ministry construction, it starts with audibility. We need to be vocal. Receptivity, we need to be listening and acting upon it. Number three, this one everybody's got knocked down, locked down, it's good. Okay? Humility. We mentioned this the other night. Revival cannot exist in the same sphere as pride. I, I tell you, I'm seeing some preachers out there that are claiming to be in the midst of revival and they're the most arrogant people you've ever met in your life. I have a hard time buying into it. I just do. Because everything I see in Scripture says that humility accompanies revival. If my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Humble themselves. Humility. So, man, what a great moment. Can you imagine, Peter? (laughs) Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And maybe, just maybe, Peter's like, And somewhere over here, John's like, well, I was going to say that. (laughs) But you didn't, did you? I said it. Blessed art me, Simon Barjona. Hey, Nathaniel, this is why I'm in the inner circle and you're not. It'd be mighty easy, wouldn't it? But Jesus, right after he praises him and builds him up, look to right where he takes him. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. Do you remember originally we didn't know him as Peter, did we? We knew him as Simon. Who gave him the name Peter? Jesus did. And he reminds him here of the name he gave him. Thou art Peter. And upon this rock will I build my church. Now, the Catholics believe that this is evidence that God built his church on Peter. Peter was the first pope and so on and so forth. Interesting, if he was, he was the only married pope that I know of. A mother-in-law would assume that he was married. That's not at all what this is saying. You see, Jesus uses two different words here. Thou art Peter, Petros. The word Petros means a pebble. In fact, it could even mean something that has broke off of a pebble. Not even a full pebble. So, think about that. Hey, Peter. Remember, bud, you're just a little pebble. But he goes on to say, upon this rock, that's a different word. That's Petra. 
Petras means a little pebble. Petra means a giant foundational boulder. What's the boulder? The boulder is the truth of what Peter said. It's not Peter, it's what he said. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So let's put it together. Jesus is doing two things here. Number one, he's establishing that the church is built upon the truth that Peter Peter spoke. How does the church work? What is our foundation? Our foundation is that we are built upon the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's, That's our foundation. Petra, the boulder. But let me tell you what else he's doing. He's saying, Peter, comparatively speaking, you are a very small part of what's going on here. Important? Sure. Irreplaceable? Not even close. I believe with all of my heart that we are on the precipice of something big right now. The rumblings, the shiftings. God, I believe, desires to do something big. However he quantifies that. If God does it, it's big. Now here's what I've got to remember. He doesn't need me to do it. It is my hope, it is my prayer that I finish out my vocational ministry as the pastor of this church. If I can live long enough and still have the strength and the spiritual fortitude to do this, I'd love to do this till I was about 70. That's about 35 years of pastoring here. Seems like a good number to go to Florida. Okay. And also, that'd be about the time that I finished Hebrews. <laughs> but if I drop dead tonight, the church goes on. Because you know what? All I am, friends, is a keeper of the lighthouse. And God can put somebody up there to keep the light going. And that doesn't mean we're not important. And that doesn't mean that I don't need to be careful because bad actions on my part could hurt this church, and I know that. But when you really get in the business of building God's church, it doesn't make you prideful, it humbles you. Do you know who I think best summarized this? A guy about whom Jesus said was the greatest born among women, his cousin, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a preacher extraordinaire. John the Baptist had a following. In fact, several of Jesus' disciples had previously been John's disciples. John was something, y'all. John was making some waves. John had some crowds. John had people gathering. John was the man. And you know what his conclusion was when he saw Jesus? John 3.30. He must increase. I must decrease. 
And when you start really serving the Lord and you start getting involved in his work, and I'm not saying you're not important, and I'm not saying that if we lost y'all that I wouldn't say, ah, next man up. Of course not. But we need to understand that just like Jesus was telling Peter, yeah, you're important, but compared to this, you're just a pebble. We need to see the work of God for what it is, and that is something so far beyond us. And it humbles us that we could do it and that he'd let us do it. Humility. And you know what happens when humility sets in? You don't get mad as frequently when you don't get your way. I quit going to that church. Why'd you quit going? Because they covered up the picture in the baptistry. Now we laugh, but that happens. That kind of stuff goes on. I quit going to that church. Do you know why? They got rid of handshaking time. I love handshaking time. Did you know statistically visitors hate handshaking time? Get away from me! You know, I mean, it, it's... By the way, now that we got COVID and everything, we had to quit it anyway. I was, I was ahead of the curve. I got rid of handshaking time before COVID. I'm a pioneer. <laughs> and you always got that one dear saint, <coughs> preacher, good to see you today. When we see ourselves in light of the truth that Jesus is the Christ, we can't help but be humble. If we want to do some ministry construction, it begins with audibility. We've got to be heard. Receptivity, we've got to hear him. Humility, we've got to see ourselves as we are. And number four, I'm, I'm going to enjoy a little bit. Take some audacity. You ever just get audacious sometimes? Just audacious. What do I mean? I mean a boldness that some people might even call reckless. You know? Audacious. Right now, Dan Snyder is talking about selling the Washington Commanders. I hope he does. Let me tell you something audacious. He wants $7 billion for that franchise. $7 billion. You know, he bought it for $800 million and they threw in the stadium. Which, now you look at it and you see why they did, because there wasn't much to it. He wants $7 billion. To give you some frame of reference, that's 10 cartons of eggs. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, I'll give him this. He's audacious. That's mighty bold. I had a fella come here visiting one night, introduced himself to me, and first time I met him, shook his hand. How you doing, brother? Good to see you. Glad you're here. And he said, so preacher, let me ask you something. I said, I said yeah. He goes, how far in advance do you book preachers? I'd like to know when I could preach. That's a little audacious. What was your name again? <laughs> I'm not talking about that kind of audacity, but I am talking about a boldness that maybe some people might look at and say, hmm, 
That's a bit much. But can I tell you something, Christian? It's okay to get a little uh, sanctified audacity. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Verse 18. The plan that is presented here is a pretty audacious plan. It's pretty bold. And I want you to notice that it's not Peter that offers it. It's Jesus. Look at what it says. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What's the audacious plan? All right. Let me remind you of what we've talked about before. Gates swing, but they don't move. Okay? So when we read that phrase, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, there is no way that he can be saying that hell comes against the church. Hell is stationary. It's where it is. So if there is a conflict that brings the gates of hell and the church to the same place and the gates of hell don't prevail against it, it is not that the gates of hell have attacked the church. It's that the church has attacked the gates of hell. That's pretty audacious. That's some audacity. And if we are going to grow as a ministry, there comes a point. I'm all for wisdom and prudence and restraint. And for 12 years, we've mostly been doing that. But there comes a point that we've got to be willing by faith to try something audacious for God. Malachi chapter 3, he's talking about giving, but this would apply to anything like this. Listen to this, Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. Now watch this, God speaking here, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. What is he saying? When you give, go ahead, prove me. Try me out. See if you can outgive me. See if you can do better than me. Go ahead, church. Get a little audacious and see what happens. William Carey, the great missionary, said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. I'm very happy to report to you that because of the generosity of God's people in giving, we have on the calendar now a man that's going to come out and he's going to put 100 by 80 feet of gravel over here and press it down and we'll have more parking. That's what we've needed. That's great. That's a need, but there's nothing about it that's audacious. We need to start stretching our expectations of God a little bit. 
and trying some things that's out of character. I'm not saying abandon wisdom and prudence and restraint. I'm saying every once in a while, it's just a good idea to try something that's beyond our comfort zone, to try something that's beyond what we think we can do. If Jesus set the, set the bar at attack hell, then the very least we should be doing is attacking hell. Hmm? But too many Christians sit in a defensive posture and wait for the world to come to them. Oh, no. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We need to get on the offense. If we want to see this ministry grow, it's going to involve audibility and receptivity and humility and audacity and then finally, entreaty. What's entreaty? It's prayer. Verse 19. I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What's he talking about? He's talking about prayer. Now, we understand, if you compare Scripture with Scripture, that there are qualifications. You have to be praying in the will of God, according to the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God. We understand all of that. But I'm telling you, if you're praying according to the will of God and in the Word of God and through the Spirit of God, God's going to answer that prayer. If you bind it. So what does that mean? Brother Branson comes to me and says, Preacher, man, I want to be a better witness. I want to be more effective in my witness. Will you pray with me? Can we bind this? I've read my Bible through a bunch, and I know this for a certainty. It's God's will that he be a better witness. I can't speak to every person and whether or not he'll win every person he leads to Christ. I know that. But it's God's will that he be a witness. Is it reasonable to conclude that the Spirit of God put that on his heart? Sure. And does the word of God back that up? Absolutely. So with all that in mind, can we pray together and bind something on earth and say, Lord, you've said in your word for us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You want us to be effective witnesses for you. We know this. And so, Lord, in humility, according to your word, through your spirit, we're asking you, we are binding this on earth. We're asking you to bind it in heaven and make him a better witness. I'm telling you, he is absolutely going to be a better witness for Jesus Christ. Doesn't happen if we don't bind it, though. We have not. Why? Because we ask not. Because we ask not. I'm telling you, to my shame, I have wondered where this church would have been five, ten years ago if I'd prayed like I should. I can't do anything about five and ten years ago, but I can do something right now. And I can commit to the Lord by his help and through his grace to be the prayer warrior I've never been before. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. 
For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, to him that knocketh it shall be open. What man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will you give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? You know what he promised us in Psalm 84? The Lord is a sun and shield. He'll give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I dug into the Hebrew. No good thing means no good thing. Will he withhold from them that walk uprightly? So what? I'm in a room of people. We have a number of things in common, but I'll tell you something I'm pretty positive we all have in common. We love this church. I love this church. It's the craziest thing. When we're out of town and I go to different churches, there are things about them that I'm like, oh, that's nice, that's neat and everything, but there's just nothing like here. This is home. This is family. And I love it here. I do. And, and not that I qualify, but I don't have any ambition for the bigger church over here, the more influential church. I want to see God do this right here. Now, would you agree with me that Wythe County and the surrounding area needs us to be more than what we are? Yeah. Last I checked, everybody around here isn't saved. Last I checked, we're not seeing a revival sweep through Wythe County. So there's work to be done. And we love this church. Now be careful. Be careful to love this church in the same way that God loves it. Because what can happen is we can love elements of this church that actually aren't helpful. You know what I love, preacher? I love that I can just show up at 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock or 11 o'clock and I can get right to my seat. Nobody's in my seat. I love that. I don't. I really want us to have parking problems. I want us to have seating problems. Not so I can call up my preacher friends or get on social media. Can I just tell you, I've had a belly full of that mess. You get on, The worst thing you can do after a Sunday service is get on Twitter. Had 15 saved, record it all, shut up. I'm glad for him. Don't get me wrong. And I thank the Lord for what he's doing. But that doesn't always tell the tale. And some preachers lie. Because in 15, you had saved. 14 of them got saved last week, too. So, you know. But anyway. <laughs> I don't always know what the metrics are going to be and how it's going to look, the numbers and so forth. But here's what I know. We have not yet reached our potential for the glory of God. Truth is, we never will till we get to heaven. We love this church. We want to see it grow. 
And not just numerically, we want to grow spiritually, don't we? We want to get deeper, don't we? We want to know the Word of God more clearly and, 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 and more appropriately. And, and we want to see, I, I was just thinking as those girls were up here singing, man, it's not going to be long before they're voting in business meetings, before they're teaching Sunday school classes, because it hadn't been that long since they were born. The one on the end doesn't seem like that long ago that I'm holding her in a hospital room, no idea what to do. Just like that, she's almost 12. How exciting would it be to get into the full throes of revival and to see people that we invited to church come, to see folks getting saved, stirring those waters every week. New faces, maybe some faces we haven't seen in a while come back. And to see this church, in every sense of the word, grow. What a wonderful thing. Now, only God can give the increase, but he expects us to plant. He expects us to water. He expects us to sow. So what's it going to take? Audibility. What's in here needs to come out. Receptivity. We need to hear what he's saying and act on it. Humility. See God for who he is and what that makes us. Audacity. Let's try some stuff. thinking of a missionary right now that I did everything I could to talk him out of going where he went. I was wrong. He had some audacity and God's blessing it. Shame on me. <laughs> we need some audacity because if we don't have it, we won't grow. But it all starts with entreaty. Pray. Pray. Remember, D.L. Moody said it best, every great move of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. Pray tonight before you go to bed. Pray in the morning when you get up. Pray in the car on your way to, on your way to work or school or whatever. Don't close your, head, close your eyes, though. Pray at lunch. Pray at dinner. They don't have to be long, drawn-out prayers. Just keep talking to God. You know what we'll see? We'll see growth.